Welcome back, everybody, to another brand new episode of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. Some quick reminders before we hop into today's interview. Well, first, I should introduce myself. I am Maverick Levy, the host of this podcast, but I also want you guys to check out the podcast on social media at TBOTBpod. Check out the website, TBOTBpod.com. I may sound like a broken record to the regular listeners, but if you're new, please go check out those resources so you can, what I always say is, interact with the podcast on a different platform, on a different level. And if you are a new listener, or even if you're a regular listener, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Not only will it help the show grow, but you also will get notified as a notification on your phone when a new episode drops every week. So thank you to those who have subscribed. And if you haven't right now, just go and subscribe, please. Lastly, before we get to the disclaimer portion of the intro, as I always do, I have been messing around a little bit with crypto these past few weeks, and I want to bring someone on the show to break down crypto, not only for all of you, but for me as well, because I don't fully understand it. And I always want to fully understand something before I make any investment in it. So if you have any recommendations as to who that should be, DM the podcast on the social media platforms, or there's a form on the website tbotbpod.com and you can also fill in there if you yourself want to come and talk about crypto or you have a recommendation on a person that you think is the best of the best that should come on and talk about crypto as always the discussion on this podcast are for informational purposes only i cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. I'm going to hold off on going right into the interview after the disclaimer as I always do because I want to give you a quick background on why I'm bringing on today's guest. I really have been looking at the audience of the podcast, who they are, where they're from, etc. And first off, thank you. I believe we are now have been top 200 in the entrepreneurship category in nine different countries. But with that being said, I see a lot of other listeners from other countries that are subscribed to the show, listening to the show. And I am bringing on someone who was not born in the USA, that came to the USA at a young age, and they have created a tremendous amount of success for themselves. So I want to bring them all on for all of you so that if you do have a dream or an aspiration of coming to the USA, you can now hear the story from someone who has done that, who came here as a child, came here with his family, created a business for himself. He's in a band. It's a really cool interview, so I'm really excited for you all to hear it, but I just wanted to give you a background on why. So thank you to the listeners in general, but a big thank you to the listeners in other countries that are listening. And this episode is for you if you do have dreams again to come to the USA to quote unquote, get that American dream lifestyle. So let's get right into it. On this week's episode of the best of the best, I have someone who was actually the recommendation of another guest. And after he sent an email to the podcast and I looked into him a little bit more, he truly is one of the best of the best for the story. 
I want to welcome Alex Roman, who is the owner of Roman Films. He is also a drummer, which is pretty cool, for a band called Fame on Fire. Alex, bro, it's nice to finally virtually meet you. Yeah, you too, man. It's been a... I feel like it's been a back and forth between you and I because of my schedule, so I apologize for that. Yeah, no problem, bro. Things happen, but I'm glad we uh, got you on the show. But let's start with some background questions about you and who you are. Where did you grow up? I was actually born in Cairo, Egypt, so I moved to the United States when I was six years old. Okay. And besides film and music, what are some other hobbies that you have? I used to actually play soccer, and I was uh, on my way to kind of playing like professional soccer, but then I got injured at a young age. And then decided I wanted to be a quote-unquote rock star and then decided to pick up drums. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. What position did you play? Striker and midfielder are my forte. Okay, yeah. I played striker back in the day when... Uh, and then I was in eighth grade and I had a slight tear in my ACL and some things and then gave up travel and just played for high school. But I was... I got taken out by a massive goalie. But striker is the best. It is the best. A lot of cardio, but it's definitely the best. That's for sure. If you put me back on the field today, I'd be out of breath and probably couldn't make it back and forth. Need to get my cardio up. But when you were a little kid, who did you look up to? When I was in Egypt compared to when I was here, like back where I grew up, there wasn't really much of what I like liked pretty much. I didn't know what I liked at a young age. But when I moved here, I mean, bands like Lincoln Park, I looked up to, you know, people like that, people that... I thought were the coolest people on the planet. I was like, wow, I just want to be something one day to inspire other people. And that's the people I look up to, really. No one specific, but artists were, were like my number one thing. You just sort of saw these people as, wow, like, I want to be them one day. Exactly. Okay, that's dope. So now let's go into what I call the nitty gritty of the show, the reason I brought you on. But just to give you some background, and uh, in the intro, I gave the uh, listeners the background also, but a lot of the listeners of the show recently have been from other countries besides the USA. The show has been top 200, top 100 in the entrepreneurship category, the business category, in about eight different countries besides the USA. So I want to talk to you a little bit about your experience I know you moved here at a very young age. I believe it was six years old, if I'm not mistaken. But I want to talk to you. When you were young, was it hard for you growing up uh, as a family that just moved to America? Oh, absolutely. So the the reason we moved to America primarily was racism against my uh, religion. So in Egypt, majority of the religion is Muslim, and uh, I was Christian Orthodox. So uh, kids wouldn't want to play with my brother and I because of our religion. So my parents foresaw that at a younger age before my brother and I per se were born or when we were born. And they, uh, my grandma lived in the United States, and they requested for us to move here. And it took my parents about 12 years to get the green card, I think is what it was, or what it's called, to get the okay for us to move here. And uh, moving here was definitely difficult because I couldn't speak English. English is actually my third language. So getting along with other people, getting along with other kids, trying to understand other kids was difficult for me, which is probably why growing up I had a hard time in school, which I'm sure we'll get into that maybe a little bit later. But I struggled with speech because I couldn't understand certain things. Mind you, in Egypt, we did go to an English school, but the primary language was Arabic still. So I definitely struggled growing up a little bit, especially from there, the transition to the United States. Got it. Wow, that's crazy. So did you first move to South Florida or where was the first place you moved to? I'm assuming where your grandma was? My, yeah, Miami. So we moved to Miami and then literally after 30 days, my dad said he never wants to live in Miami. So then we moved to Boca. Me and your dad are on the same wavelength. I can't live in Miami. 
I can't stand Miami. It's not that I can't stand it even, I should preface, it's that I just can't live down there. I could go down there for a few hours, maybe a day, a night, two nights, whatever it is, but to live down there, that's not for me. Boca feels like home, not as much going on, but let's go back into it. So how long did it take you? I'm assuming you went, you moved to Florida and you started going to public school or were you going to private school? No, I went uh, to a public school. Okay, so how long did it take you to get in the groove of, you know, speaking English, fully understanding it? How long was that process for you? Yeah, so I remember taking, I think it's ESOL or a speech class. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember taking that class. I went to Verde Elementary, which is across the street pretty much from where I went to school. And they would have me, instead of taking like English class or reading class, I don't remember the exact name from it. They would have me go there, my brother, so we can learn English a little bit faster. And it took me about two, two, three years to kind of get grips with what it is I needed to learn. Um, and because I learned it at such a young age, I don't have an accent. Because most people wonder, why don't you have an accent? Because uh, I learned it at a very young age that I don't have my native tongue, per se. And uh, about say, two, three years is when I finally started getting grips with uh, understanding, you know, everything. So when you were going through schooling during this time, what was that like for you? I hated it. I hated school, man. I would fight with my parents every day to go to school. There's nothing about school that entertained me. Uh, there's nothing about school that really grabbed my attention except for like the PE class or going outside to play it was like the fun part for me. Everything else I had very little attention span because I had no interest in it. I want to back up for a second because it's just popped into my head. When you say that your family applied for a green card to come here 12 years, so they applied for that six years before you were born then, right? Yep. Wow. Because my mom had moved to Egypt to live with my dad. So my parents met uh, on a vacation. My mom went to Egypt, long story short. And uh, after they got married, so on and so forth, the plan was to always move to America. So my parents had already started the process ahead of time before we were born so that you know, by the time we're at a certain age, we can come here and we don't have to be teenagers and make it a lot more difficult. Because in Egypt, you are mandatory required to go to the military. And my parents didn't want us to do that. So I thank them for not making us do that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I actually have some friends that are in Israel and it's the same thing over there. You have to go there. And it's like so weird because um, I went to camp with a bunch of Israeli campers that they had a program where they would come here. And it was it's so crazy always seeing, you know, like I'm graduating from college soon here in a little bit and my life is totally different from theirs because now they're ending their service in the army so you know you totally see how different that is how old are you alex i just turned 28 last month okay well happy belated to you thanks so you first moved here do you remember the move like do you remember getting on the plane at six years old and coming here honestly i don't remember too much of it all i remember was telling my mom are we there yet as soon as we got on the plane <laughs> And that's literally about all I can remember from getting on the plane and coming here. Not much to remember besides yeah, that. Yeah, you have those spotted memories when you were a kid of like these things and that thing. So that I was just curious about that. But do you ever think about what your life would be like had your family not moved to America? All the time. I wouldn't say it would be a miserable life, but I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And I definitely wouldn't be tatted up or the look like, the way I do, like I do today as well. And I mean, my parents sacrifice everything for my brother and I. So I have to give them, you know, everything that I ever can. The most utmost respect for at 30 plus years old, dropping their entire lives just for my brother and I. And um, 
super thankful for that. If you have good parents in your life, you should feel very fortunate because you hear the stories of people that don't. And for me, thank God, you know, I knock on wood have great parents. It seems like you do as well. That sort of would give the shirt off their back for you. So you always, you know, want to give back to them whenever is possible. So I totally understand that. But it just is a wild guess, you know, like if you had to think and just take a guess, what do you think you would be doing for a living if you lived in Egypt? I know that's a crazy question, but I just like to hear the answer. Yes, I think I'd be uh, in my family business. So they had a, a business where they kind of sell like uh, insect sprays, like they do for roaches and stuff like that. They have a pretty big business there um, that kind of operates uh, that type of stuff. So vendors will come by from them and uh, they also sell to customers. So I would assume just in the family bloodline that I would run uh, into doing that business over time. Do you still have family that lives over there in Egypt? I do actually still have the house that we grew up in and we lived in. We still have all of that and it's inherited to my brother and I. Do you ever go back and visit? We were supposed to go last year because of coronavirus at all. Obviously went to dust, yeah. but we were all supposed to go back and um, kind of visit and see everything. I haven't been back since I was 13, actually. So it's been quite a while. Yeah. What was it like when you went back when you were 13, seeing what America was like? Amazing. But how about in the context of seeing what America was like and sort of you could sort of gauge, you know, where your future maybe was going to be. Um, and like you looked up to these bands and then you go and you went over there. What was that like for you as a teenager? Yeah. So the culture over there is very like driven by being something, someone, a lawyer, a doctor or something of a great, you know, statue, you know, something that requires a degree as opposed to the United States. I call it the melting pot. So you come here and you tell me, Hey, I want to be the best drummer. I want to be the best chef. You have all the possibilities. It's up to you to do that. And when you go to Egypt and you say you want to be the best chef, you pretty much have to know the family of families, families of best chefs to kind of get in with those people to be the best at what you want to be at. And when I saw that at a young age, I was like, I'm so happy my parents did that leap for us because I would have been completely uh, unhappy doing whatever I would be doing in Egypt. And um, even the music choices, they don't even listen to rock over there. Like Linkin Park doesn't like exist over there. Uh, that's what I was going to assume. <laughs> yeah. I actually went to a, a shopping mall and I saw the first Papa Roach in CD over there and I bought it. And that's how I first learned about Papa Roach. But everybody else there could care less about who they are or what they even are. Yeah, no, that's crazy. That's really crazy. But you seem like you were mature at a young age. That probably came from you having to adapt to a whole new culture, learn a new language that you recognize that, wow, I'm thankful that my family came to America and did this for me and my brother. But, you know, in today's world, you hear a lot about people and I'll be frank and transparent because this is my podcast just shitting on America which I will never understand like yeah of course we have things to fix nothing is perfect but in my eyes and I'll always defend this that this is the greatest country in the world and I want to know in your perspective as someone that moved here from another country like at 13 you went back and you saw you were grateful how does it make you feel when people are focusing on the bad within this great beautiful amazing country uh, and I think that's a current rhetoric that's going on with people from my age to your age. How does that make you feel? I think those people that bash America and say America sucks or we're the worst country, I don't think they've experienced anything other than America. So they have nothing to relate it to. But I can tell you from my personal experience and from other friends and family members that also are from different parts of the world, that this is the number one country in the entire planet that gives you the opportunity that you could have to be who you want 
and showcase what you are. And I don't know any other country that can do that. So in my opinion, America is the greatest country on the planet as well. And it gave me hope and it gave me my dreams and they came to life because I moved here. Had I not, I would be doing something I don't want to be doing. I would not even be given the opportunity to do it uh, where I was born. Yeah, you may be selling insects uh, repellent, but instead you're drumming in a band and filming very cool videos, you know, which we'll get into all that stuff. But yeah, I really appreciate that answer, Alex, because I think especially at our age, people are afraid to talk about those kinds of things. They're afraid to push back and be like, we need to stop, you know, shitting. We can try and solve problems, but just by shitting and saying America sucks, America isn't this, America isn't that, this is the worst country, we're not getting anywhere. We're just smashing into a brick wall. Why not have the conversation of how to fix these issues? And I actually think that we're starting to sort of have that conversation a little bit, but I think cancel culture adds into that and all these horrible things that that are going on. So I really appreciate your perspective, as I know the listeners do as well, because like I said, listeners in other countries and some of these other countries aren't as developed uh, as America is and don't have the freedoms that America brings to an individual. So I really appreciate you being vocal about that. I know I didn't ask you before if you even wanted to talk about any of this. We sort of just went gung-ho into it. So I appreciate that. But before we were recording and you sent me an email about wanting to come on, you told me as a teenager, you wanted to quit school. Did you ever finish high school? Did your parents make you finish? What was that like? At what age did that happen? Yeah, no, I never finished high school. I did ninth grade, like barely made it. Did first semester of 10th grade, and I never went back to school ever again. And I've never gone back ever since. I got my GED. That's about it. I personally hate school. I don't like it. I don't like the education system. I think it's flawed. That's my personal opinion. Now, if you want to be That's why I have a podcast, right? I think the educational system, not to cut you off, but I think that it does a great job at teaching you what work ethic can get you right. Like if you're going to study for a test and you're going to put in that effort, you're most likely going to succeed more than someone that came into that test blind. But at the end of the day, they're not teaching you about the topics that I'm talking to you about on this podcast, right? They're not going out and saying, yeah, this is how you want to file your taxes. This is how you become a better individual, whether it's mentally, physically. They're not teaching you that. They're feeding you this information, these formulas that unless you know that absolutely I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to be a scientist, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer, what the hell are you doing? You're sort of wasting the prime years of your life. But at the other hand, I also am a person that believes in America just because of the systematic bureaucratic system that we're in, you have to finish school. So I never recommend anyone. For Alex, it worked out. It's working out perfect for him. He has lots of success, and I would never take that away from him. But to listen to the show, know that my personal advice, which may be different from Alex, is you know, don't drop out unless you 100% in your heart of hearts. If you even have like a little slight bit of fear about that, you know, then I think that you should stick with it and finish it out. But Going back to you, Alex, you dropped out. Uh, you didn't finish. You said you finished ninth grade or, you, or it was in ninth grade that you dropped out? No, I, I finished ninth okay. grade. Okay. And so going into 10th grade, what was that like with a family with foreign parents that came here to give you a better life? What was your household like during this time? It was literally a war zone in my house. My parents like hated me for the most part. Um, or as far as that, they at least hated me um, because, you know, like I mentioned before, they dropped everything for my brother and I to come to this country. And all of a sudden at 13, 14 years old, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. This is stupid. So fighting my parents and my culture and my religion, that was like the biggest sin you could ever do. It's just like I became the devil pretty much to them. 
not wanting to do it. But after fighting with them for about a year and a half, they finally agreed for me to do Florida Virtual School. That was kind of like our agreement per se. And then after I started doing FLVS, I started realizing that I spent more time on the internet learning about other things than school. So I stopped doing that as well. And then we came to the mutual agreement where like, I'm not going to do school. You're not going to force me to do school. There's just no way you're going to get me to do school. I'm very hard-headed. And I agreed to do my GED. And once we're done with my GED, then I will get a job. And I will continue to work for the rest of my life and always find a way to make means of survival, per se, um, and follow my dreams. So you did get your GED then? Yes, I got my GED. Uh, yeah, I did. And to kind of piggyback off what you said earlier uh, about the school, I also agree with what you said. So don't drop out of school if you don't have a plan or if you don't have a passion for something. But if you truly believe in yourself that you can be the best at whatever it is that you want to do, then follow that. Don't follow the systematic thing because everybody else is telling you to follow it. You couldn't have said it any better, but I want to jump to your businesses and talk about that. But before we do that, I want to get into your advice for people that are listening that may have dreams and aspirations of coming to the USA. I'll preface it again by saying I know you came at a very young age, but you have insight to this. Your parents, they did not come at a very young age. I'm sure you see things firsthand. And you are a great example of the quote unquote American dream. So Alex, if someone is trying to come to America from a foreign country, what are three things you would tell them? That's a tough question. Three things I tell somebody to want to come to America I mean, be ready, definitely be ready, prepare yourself for what's to come. It's a completely different lifestyle from wherever you are in the world. America is a very capitalist country, so you need money and credit to survive, which when you come from other countries, it's not necessarily like that. So definitely be prepared. Uh, number two, have somebody here, family, a friend, you know, it makes it so much easier to have somebody else's shoulder to cry on or to help you with whatever it is that you need. And then three, just stick to your passion and stick to your guts to whatever it is that you want to do. And that's literally what I did. I guess it worked. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, it worked because I think you have the hard work and the dedication that got you to where you are for sure. You never wanted to give up. You never wanted to sort of let go. Maybe you realized school wasn't for you, but that didn't mean you were just going to sit around and do nothing all day, right? So that advice, those three things, while that may have been under 45 seconds, maybe a minute, I wasn't looking, but that is going to go a long way for the listeners that do have dreams and do want to come here and make a name for themselves and create that American dream for themselves. So Alex, thank you for that because I will say thank you for the listeners as well. And also thank you for being honest and willing to share those things because others may not be willing to, you know, and uh, one thing I want to point out about what you said about monetarial uh, stabilization and credit. Both of those things are talked about on the show all the time. So you can go back. If you are someone that's listening that wants to learn about credit or wants to learn about these kinds of financial advice and how these things actually work in reality, there's episodes that you can go back and you can listen to that will teach you about all of those things. But let's go back to when you were a teenager and let's start now and go into this whole band drummer type thing. So when did you realize that you wanted to be a drummer? At age 13, so my brother played drums before me, actually. He was in band, and my parents bought him a drum set. I actually snapped my arm skateboarding, so I was stuck at home all the time. And being the younger brother, my brother goes, don't touch my drum set. <laughs> Mind you, I'm at home. It's kind of like a stepbrothers thing, per se. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a scene out of stepbrothers. Yeah, it does, yeah. And I was home all day, bored out of my mind. Mind you, I had a cast on, so I would just put the drumstick in my cast, and I would just start playing drums and just like hitting things and I kind of just like 
got in the groove of just learning how to play. So I'm self-taught. I've never been like professionally taught in any way. So I just hit things and kind of learn how to play. And over time, I realized I really enjoyed doing it and it was fun. And at that moment, I realized I was like, hey, like, I want to play drums forever if I can. And this is what I want to do. And what age was that? 13. Okay. Actually, it was age nine. It was not 13. It was, I think I was 10 or 11. Okay. Because I had gone to my brother's best friend's house uh, for one of their birthday parties and we were having a sleepover and he played Lincoln Park, Place in My Head, one of their songs, and Breaking Benjamin. Yeah. And he played Polyamorous by Breaking Benjamin. And when I heard those two songs, I never felt a connection more than I ever did when I heard those two songs. And ever since, I always wanted to be some sort of musical rock aspect or talent per se. So when did you start to take things really seriously then? Like when did you really start playing the drums every day, maybe all day? And then I'll give you the floor now so you can sort of walk me through from the time you really started to play and uh, give the background about your band. I'll let you have the floor for a little bit so you can fill everyone in on that. I think cool. So at a young age, I, I realized I want to be a drummer, rock star per se, and, and whatever, kind of like we just mentioned. So my band members are actually my best friends in sixth grade. So we grew up together. My singer, my, my guitar player, and I all lived within about less than a mile of each other. I had met my guitar player through another friend who also played guitar. He said, hey, I had this buddy. His name is Blake. He plays French horn and band. Why don't you get him to come jam at your house one day? I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. He came over. Long story short, we became really good friends. We clicked and we started playing music together. He would come over. I would go over his house. And we were in uh, separate grades. I was in sixth grade. They were in seventh grade. So they were a grade ahead of me. And Brian, who is our singer, was in a complete different band growing up. And I didn't really like... I guess like when we were in middle school, everybody's your rival. So not like doing what you do, you know, like it's like friendship rivalry yeah, back yeah, in the day. Yeah. So we never really spoke or did anything like that. So we were just kind of like, we knew each other, but we didn't speak to each other. So after middle school kind of went away, Blake and I did a couple little bands and never went anywhere. We went to high school. Obviously I dropped out of 10th grade. So I started working. I went to get a job at Tutti Fruity, actually on Glades and 441. That was my first ever job. Oh, wow. And... I'd be doing frozen yogurt and I'd be playing on the weekends or during the week with Blake when he got out of school and so on and so forth. And after high school, the guys had decided that they want to move to Orlando, Blake and Brian. And we were in a band called You Set Aside growing up and the band obviously didn't go anywhere. We were still kids, you know, nothing happened. We tried playing shows and so on and so forth. And uh, they decided to move to Orlando and I couldn't afford to move to Orlando. I was still living at home. And uh, just paying whatever bills I could to help my parents at the time because they're going through some financial hardship. Yeah. And they moved to Orlando and I was at home. I started becoming depressed, sad. Uh, I was miserable. I was so upset that I don't have any friends. They left. And I was playing drums by myself. I'm like, well, nobody cares about the drummer. Everybody just cares about the singer of the band. That was my mentality at the time. And I heard the song Unconditionally by Katy Perry that popped up on the radio one time. Uh, I happened to be listening to it for some reason. And I was like, you know what? This would be a really cool drum cover. I'm like, why don't I do a drum cover video? I've always wanted to do one. Uh, let me just do one. Let me see how I feel about it. And let me go from there. I couldn't afford to record music at the time. I had no money. So Blake and Brian living in Orlando, they had a recording studio in their house. Blake MIDI the drums for me. So he just wrote them on the computer and sent them back to me so that I can learn how to play it and just do the video to it. So I was like, oh, this sounds super cool. Blake goes, why don't I throw some guitar on it? I was like, dude, that'd be so cool. Why don't you, please? 
So I was like, instead of doing the drum cover down here, I'm like, hey, I'll drive to Orlando and you and I could be in the music video and we'll make a cool little video for fun and we'll just call it. A few hours later, a few days later, Blake called me. He goes, hey, what if we put Brian on the song? I'm like, I've known Brian since like sixth grade. This guy can't sing at all. I know he did choir. Like he did choir in, 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 um, in middle school and high school. I was like, this guy can't sing. Yeah. Puts him on the track. And I was blown away. I was like, this guy's a singer. He's been a singer this entire time. And nobody ever knew he was a singer up until that point. So I go up to Orlando. We shoot the music video. I put it on the internet. And a week later, we have 10,000 views. And I was like, Mom. What year was that? 2013. Okay. Yeah, 2013. We did it. We uploaded it. It was called the uh, – it's on my page still. It's on the Alex Roman YouTube page because we weren't a band. This was just a dumb project idea that I had that turned into this whole band. And we didn't have a bass player at the time either. So we just asked one of our friends that was living with them, hey, just pick up the bass and pretend you're playing in the music video and we're going <laughs> to upload the video. That's amazing. Yeah, at 10,000 views, I was, like, I was freaking out. I told, my, you know, I told my mom I made it, blah, blah, blah. Our phones started blowing up and this and that. So long you know, from there, we did it again with another song. Uh, we did it a third time, I think, with Black Widow. And then from there, we decided that we wanted to be a rock band, a true band, per se. And that's when it went from Alex Roman, the Alex Roman experience, as we always call it in interviews, to uh, the Fame on Fire band, like an actual band. And we started getting traction by doing covers of pop songs. And we started accumulating millions and millions of views on the internet. And we're here today. Now we're signed to a record label. We have, actually today, we hit 150 million views on our YouTube page. Wow, congrats. And we get multi-million streams between all our platforms every single month. That is amazing, bro. That's the journey of the band, per se. So today, right now, what's the goal with the band? Would you guys be touring if COVID was not a thing? What would today's world be like? So we dropped our debut album last year, and it did really well. I did amazing, but we were supposed to tour on it, and I think the band would be in a completely different state than we are today. But if COVID wasn't a thing, I think we'd be playing shows all over the world, and actually we are starting to tour again come September. Tours are finally coming back, and we just announced that we're playing uh, massive festivals, our biggest and our first festival ever, actually. It's called Incarnation in Ohio, and we're playing with bands like Slipknot, Mudvayne, Rob Zombie, Asking Alexandria, Killswitch Engage. So some huge uh, so names, so huge names. Yeah, we're playing with some really big names, and to me, man, the fact that my name, my band's name is on that flyer, like that to me. I bet you're going to get it framed. You're going to get it framed. Oh, I'm going to get a friend. All those years of, of struggling and people telling you you're not going to do it, you're never going to get anywhere. Seeing numbers online is completely different than fans in person. Yeah. But seeing your band's name stacked up next to these massive artists that I grew up listening to, that I looked up to, and having your name on that same flyer, that to me, it just shows and means more than any materialistic item or anything anybody could ever give me because that shows hard work and dedication that everybody in the band put to get the name on that flyer. And I think that is why everybody should do whatever it is that their dream is, whatever their passion is, whatever their goals are, because we were told we would never get anywhere. We would never do it. And we did it. That's amazing. And I feel like it's always, and I have successful people come on the show. It's always that same thing. They told me I was crazy. They told me I'll never do it. They told me this. They told me that. Always negative, right? And then when it happens, you're just like, wow, yeah, look at that. Like, look at my name, you know, look at those numbers. Look what's going on now, right? And yeah, everybody cares now all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. And 
that's when you got to start worrying about who's coming around, right? Because are they around for the right reasons? Or are they around for the wrong reasons? I've got hit up already a few times for tickets to the festival, this and that. And my answer to them back is like, let me get to the festival first because I've never played one. And then I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, plug it one more time before we switch to your film business. Plug the band and plug where they can listen to. Yeah, so the band's name is Fame on Fire. And we are on every single platform possible iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Apple Music. We're on every major platform. Just type it in and you can find us in everywhere. And I can't wait to hit the road this September, man. Awesome. And plug the festival. Where's the festival at? Yeah, it's in Mansfield, Ohio. It's called Incarnation. And um, I hope to see everybody there. That's amazing, bro. Well, I'm so happy that you have success in one venture of yours and one passion of yours. But now let's switch to another venture, another business. Like I said, you own a film business, Roman Films. And let's get into that. So I checked out your work. I always do my due diligence and you're fucking killing it. The work is amazing. It's top notch. It's top quality. For my family's business, which is a tax business, we always are filming commercials. So I'm able to sort of pick out whose film and I has what it has to be great. And not only that, right? Someone could have the best camera ever, but if they have a shitty eye and they can't really see what's going to look good on a screen, then it's pretty useless. And you definitely have that eye. So what does Roman Film specialize in? Anything in particular? Primarily, we focus on branding videos for clients all nature so if you have clothing business shoe business car business commercial whatever it is i like to help companies make their branding videos you know help brand their company i also like doing short films which you haven't done too many of so far uh, and then music videos we're getting more and more into that just because i am a creative myself in the music industry i want to be able to create other art for other artists as well that are maybe on the same label or meet them on tour and help them bring their vision to life uh, is like I do for my band, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. I've been very fortunate enough. One of my close friends owns a pretty prominent recording studio in Michigan. And I've gone to see a few music videos get shot. And it, it was nothing like I imagined it, it is, right? Like when you see it on screen, it looks like so different from then when they're actually in the filming process. I guess that goes with anything. But this was totally different because I thought it was going to be sort of what I had an image in my head of. But Let's get into how you got into starting Roman Phil's. Was this a passion that you turned into a business or how did it come to fruition? So I lied. I lied into, into this business pretty much. I worked at Apple for six years and while I was working there, I had a buddy who was into bodybuilding and somebody from a supplement company came in and was like, he was like, oh my God, this is so-and-so of this company. I was like, I don't care who this person is, but I'm like, I hate working here. I hate my job. I'm trying to get something new. So I walked over and we we're just talking. He goes, Hey, we're looking for an assistant slash video guy. And in my head, I'm like, how hard could it be to be an assistant? You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't be that hard. I'm like, I'm working at the Apple store. It can't be that much more difficult. And he goes, we're also looking for like a hybrid, somebody that can film. I was like, I could film. It's easy. Mind you, I've never picked up a camera in my entire, <laughs> I don't even know what a camera is. <laughs> I had no clue what a camera was. And long story short, they hired me. And they bought me all this equipment, and I had not a single clue of what to – I don't know how to turn the camera on. I just Googled a bunch of shit, and I was just like – I Googled a good camera. My buddy at the time was also into – he actually had a business of his own, and I showed them his work saying it was my work when it really wasn't because I knew they weren't going to check it. I was like, oh, they're not going to even check this. If they do, whatever. That's exactly how I started my film business. I was like, I lied my way to the whole thing. 
not even knowing what a camera was. That's that is insane. What year was that? 2013, 2014, around the same time the band was uh, starting as well. Wow! So you had a lot of things going on in the background, but it hasn't, it wasn't taking off yet. So you were putting in hard work. I'm sure the old saying, "Blood, sweat, and tears" to make these things what they are in today's world. Yeah, exactly. And all those years back then, you know, most people don't know that I started it off just like a lie, pretty much, and being able to lie my way into an industry at that young age, I realized that I could just do whatever I wanted. As long as I put my head to something, I could find a way to make it work. And I really got into filming. I I got so interested by it because every time we would film a band video, I would catch myself staring at the back of the camera, the screen and being so mesmerized by what's on the screen, not knowing what any of it was. I was like, yo, this is kind of cool. So when I was working at the Apple store and that opportunity showed itself, I was like, well, this is my calling right here. Let me just fake my way into it. And I actually ended up quitting Apple, going to work for this company. And I actually went back to Apple after a year because I ended up failing. It didn't work. I sucked. Long story short, I pretty much ended up quitting because the owner was like an asshole to me. And I was like, this is stupid. So again, I don't have a school degree. So I went back to the Apple store and the owner from that company split off and the good owner of it started his own company and he hired me to come be the the head video guy for the company. That was my second opportunity. And then from there, I told myself, I'm going to quit and I'm going to start Roman films. And that's essentially what I did. And so how long were you working at Apple and in what year until the old owner came back and said, Hey, I'm starting something else. I want you to come. So I think I worked there until 2016 and I went back to work at Apple for like six months or so. And I was just, again, depressed, hated my life. The band was doing its thing. Obviously, we weren't anything what we were today. Uh, and then he came back and offered me that job. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I'd love to do this. I quit Apple, became full-time for them. And then at that point, the band started getting some traction. So I had to start practicing more. Um, the band wanted to start traveling a little bit. So I would ask for days off and, and this and that. And I would always get the days off. But I would always realize, like, well, what if I could just practice during the day when I wanted to, or what if I wanted to do this? And I actually couldn't afford my camera when I quit. The band bought me my camera because the band had started making some money at that time. So I made a deal with the guys like, hey, if you pay for half the camera, then I'll film all the band's videos. Oh, wow. And that's essentially... What was the first camera you got? I still have it. It's a Sony A7S uh, two. Oh, wow. Okay. I will never get rid of that camera for that sentimental value. I'm a very superstitious and sentimental person as well. And I'm like holding on to like the most random things. And, and my it's not even like a camera. My girlfriend would be like, why are you holding on to that? I'm like, it's sentimental value. Like didn't never throw that away. Like, you know what I mean? And, nope. I will never sell it. Yeah, no, never. I'm going to frame it actually one day. That's my goal. Once it fully kicks the can, I'm going to frame it. And you know, that's essentially how I started Roman films, man. I just, I wanted to do something else and work for somebody and I had a, a passion for it after time from just seeing my band being filmed. And I was like, how hard could it be? Yeah. So the band bought you the camera. You said, I'll start filming the videos for the band. And then when did you start making some real money from Roman Films? So I was broke for three and a half years after that. I was broke. I had no money. Uh, I was still living at home at the time. So I had a place to live and food and shelter thanks to my parents. But I had no money at the time. And I would start buying equipment and gear. And my fiance now, at the time she was my girlfriend, she was a preschool teacher. And she would give me money in order to 
buy more equipment and pay my credit cards already maxed out at the time. And over time, I just keep buying more and more. Mind you, at that time, I was doing free videos all the time. Anybody that wanted a video, I would do it. I would do it for free for a long time. I'm like, hey, give me 50 bucks just so I can you know, get gas from my place to your place, and I won't charge you for it. Yeah. And then I was working out in Boca, and I started in the fitness industry, so I started realizing there's some big names in this gym. And I put two and two together. I'm like, well, if I give them a free video, you know, and they accept, well, I have nothing to lose. If they hate my work, well, then they didn't pay anything. But if they love my work, I get the appraisal and I get the, the praise. And, and the recognition. Could, yeah, you get the recognition. Yeah, and they could post about me. Well, then I'm on the good. Over time, I learned that in multiple industries. So I started giving people free content. I was like, hey, you want a video? Cool, 50 bucks. You want a video? Free, 50 bucks, 75 200 bucks, 300, 400 until my skill level got better and better and better. And I understood my self worth, my self value. Well, then I started making money. I remember making my first 300 bucks profit after everything. And I bought myself my first pair of $100 shoes. And I was the happiest guy on the planet, man. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe that I made all this money and I still have 300 bucks to my name and I can afford a pair of shoes. That's crazy, bro. But it goes to show you and look at where you are today, bro. You're killing it. Yeah, those are the moments you really like knowing that I could buy, a, you know, I could afford a shoe for the first time. It might sound stupid to people, but when I look at, back at it from today, right now I can go buy a thousand pair of shoes and it wouldn't make a difference. But that one pair of shoe changed my whole perspective on life, on my own value and how I look at things because I earned that shoe. Nobody earned it for me, right? Yeah. Nobody earned those pair of shoes for me. But the fact that I earned it, will always make me want to work harder because I know how hard those three years were for me just to prove to myself that I can do it. And I think that's what people don't see. Yeah, no, I agree with you, right? I think that goes for everyone listening. Like, listen, it took him three and a half years, probably more than that, till he was self-sustaining on a film business that he started for himself. But Alex, what camera do you currently use right now? So I shoot on red cameras, which is one of the most expensive cameras you can buy. Most of us, one of the most expensive brand of cameras you can buy. And that was another milestone, man. Growing up, I was like, I wish I could afford that camera and I could never do it. And now I own two. Wow. What's the cost? I don't know anything about cameras, really. What's the cost of a red camera? So one of my cameras is, is $35,000 for the camera. Holy shit. I thought you were going to say 3500 Holy shit. Yeah. One of the, my current build for that camera right now is about 45000 So that camera is the mid-tier of cameras in that company's lineup with the bells and whistles I have on it. It's about 45000 And that's the camera they use to shoot like Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, Transformers. They use uh, that brand, Red is the name. Yeah. Or Ari, which everybody knows, Ari Alexa cameras, which is the other competitor to them. Okay. And that was a huge leap of faith for me to buy that uh, two years ago. Where do you even buy something like that online? Yeah, you can buy it from the company directly. Okay. Um, but mind you, after those three years, you know, I started making money. I turned the business from nothing into a six-figure business by myself in three years. Long, you know, pretty much what I did. And building my network, my relationships with people and businesses. And then I was like, I see everybody getting cameras. Everybody's getting an iPhone. Everybody thinks they're a videographer. Everybody thinks they're a photographer because of the iPhones. And I was like, I need to differentiate myself from everybody else 
to make a statement. So when somebody hires me, they know they're hiring the best. Yeah. Not saying if you have a Sony, which I still use Sony's on shoots too. But for example, the shoot that we have coming up tomorrow and this next week, they wouldn't hire me. They wouldn't be paying me the money that they pay my company if I didn't invest money into my own company, right? And that's what separates me from your regular videographer. And it's not just me anymore. I have a team now. And I plan on growing my team and becoming a big multi-production company to do short films and make movies in the future. And that's the ultimate goal for me. And you'll get there, bro. With your hard work, your dedication, your work ethic, all that shit, you'll get there 100%. I mean, look how far you've came since you were six years old and your family moved here from Egypt, right? Like you are the example of what America can bring to an individual, but also what hard work brings to an individual and never giving up brings to an individual. You're the example of all those things, which is why I love to bring people like you onto the show to give people that real life example that you don't hear about in school. You don't hear about what it takes to get to that next level. You just hear that there's people that are there, but you don't really understand how they get there. You don't get to hear their story all the time. You don't get to hear these things. And I think when you hear a story like yours, it really puts into perspective how hard someone needs to be working to truly become the best of the best, right? That goes for any industry. You have to be number one in that industry. You have to be innovating if they the industry changing, you have to be changing with it or you're going to get left behind. That's just simple facts in terms of business that you have to be changing. Now, I know you say you film all types of shoots, but for this uh, what if scenario, I guess I'll call it, we'll use your upcoming shoot that's tomorrow. How long is it going to take from the time you start filming till the time the final product is back to the client? Probably about a month to two months. Wow. They would get the final product. Yeah. So we have to film for eight days and then uh, we have to go through all the footage. We have to, you know, kind of go through everything from when we film. Like, for example, uh, a seven day shoot for us is going to accumulate to a few terabytes of footage, right? So if people don't know about like gigabytes, 1,000 gigabytes is one terabyte. And we're going to have a few terabytes to go through just in footage before we have to create eight videos for this client and those eight videos have to be perfect right you can't get the shot perfect the first time and if you do amazing but it takes preparation there's a team of five of us going uh from just my team that's going but total 12 or 15 team members going uh multiple agencies of, of us combining together to go create this project which is actually a very small team uh, when you're looking at music, like uh, big movies and productions like that. It's usually hundreds, if not thousands of people. So for us, it's 15 people trying to create these eight videos for this client. And we have to compete with the big names, you know, like Airbnb, Pepsi Cola, all these names. Like they have budgets of a hundred millions of dollars, which we don't. So how do I get to that level? Well, I give that same level of service, that same level of commitment to my client so that hopefully one day Pepsi will call me like, Hey, we saw your work. We would love to work with you. And then now I'm that $150,000 client, wow. whatever it is, you know? Yeah. That's crazy, bro. That's amazing. So for the last question of this topic, if someone is listening that wants to open up their own film production company, say they're in high school, they're in college, what advice would you give to them that you wish someone maybe gave to you when you were starting to do this? Don't ever think you know everything because like you mentioned earlier, adapt to your current situation, adapt 
to the way society is moving in your industry. Because if you don't, you will get eaten up and you will lose. And don't ever think you're the best because there's somebody always bigger and better than you out there. And stay humble. I don't care if you go from making a hundred bucks to making ten thousand dollars in one month. There's that one guy somewhere making a hundred thousand from that one video shoot that you wish you could do. And if you want to get to his level, stay humble, work hard, and work with that person to get to that level. And you will. It might take some time, but you will. Yeah, I think something important, which I always touch upon in the outro part of the show, is never think that you know it all. You know the typical salesman saying, I'm sure you've heard, always be closing ABC, right? Have you heard of that? I have, yeah. Okay, so I take a different spin on it, and I say ABL always be learning because the second you think that you know it all is the second that you're getting behind in life because anyone could come and they could take everything out of Alex's house. They could take his cars, his clothes, his shoes, his thirty-five, dollars $45,000 camera. They could take everything, but they can't take away what you know, right? If you got a camera in your hand and a computer, you would still know exactly what to do and how to do it. And that's what you can't take away. So you need to always be learning. I think that's very important in life. And I'm so happy that you highlighted that in that answer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have nice things just like other people do. And people always come up to me because of my cars and the stuff that I wear sometimes. And they go, well, how do you do this? I'm like, well, because I have a skill. And I was like, you can take everything away from me, but you can never take what's in my head away from me. And if you take this from me now, I promise you in one year, I'll be right back doing it again. 100%, bro. And that's a winner's mentality is I'll never stop, right? I'll literally never, ever, ever stop. Never. If you stop, who's going to win? Yeah. But for the last part of the interview, bro, we're winding down here. Got a few minutes left. What is the most challenging part of being a business owner in general? Whether it's the band, obviously, that's sort of like a business or the film business. What's the most challenging part to you? So for me, one of the biggest and hardest things for me is balancing both. Thankfully, both my businesses are thriving right now and they're doing really well. But I knew at one point in my life they were going to clash. I'm at a point now where my film business requires so much of my attention and so does the band. So I struggle balancing my time between both of them, right? We have 24 hours in a day. I wake up really early in the morning. I do my morning routine and I try to get everything I can done within one day, but I can't be at two places at one time. I can't film and I can't practice at the same time. So balance for me is the hardest, but I'm in the process of getting a team for my film business, so I no longer have to be there all the time and teach them the ways of how I did it so that they can be the best version of themselves and help my business grow, which makes them grow as well. Um, but balance is the hardest thing for me. We have 24 hours in a day and I only sleep about six hours a day. So I try to do everything I can in those other hours to grow my filming business and to be attentive to my band as much as I can. I had a, a guest on the show. His name's Dave Crenshaw. He has a book called The Myth of Multitasking. When you have some time, check it out. His theory is very interesting. Um, and it's about time management and all those things. And I think someone like you, you know, I'm in school, but I also run a few businesses and I'm about to go into law school and I'm worried about my time management because I know that I'm going to have to figure it out. And this book, it's a great resource for learning about time management and seeing his perspective on it because it definitely completely changed my perspective on things. So I just wanted to give you that and I'll give that free plug to Dave because he's the man and he definitely opened my eyes up to some things but how did you become educated on topics such as taxes mortgages insurance etc honestly I think once you 
own a business and you start making money, you have two options. You either adapt or you fail. And I think I had to learn it by trade. Like I had to learn how to manage my money. I had to learn how to do taxes because if I did it, well, then I wouldn't have a business. And I always call it YouTube University. I YouTube everything uh, growing up. Now I have colleagues and friends that are well-versed in what they do. This is their profession, so I can call them now. But when I started, I had no clue what I was doing. You know, I was an idiot, as I always say. I didn't know what I was doing, and I had no intention of learning. But when you start making it, and all of a sudden, you start running into these roadblocks, well, you have to learn how to do it. Or you're going to fail. Yeah, bro. I always say that whenever I have someone successful on the show, if they were a teenager, if they were in high school and they had a resource like this free podcast they could go and listen to to teach them about things, everyone always says I 100% would go and listen. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. It'd make my life so much easier. I would be learning so many things that it took me years, if not months, to learn just to do one simple thing as opposed to hearing it from people that have experienced it. It makes it a little bit easier. It gives them hope. And my entire being, all I want to do is inspire somebody to want to be the best version of themselves or to want to achieve something or to help others. Because at the end of the day, we all pass away and all your materialistic items stay, you leave, but your legacy stays behind you and the people you have helped will live on forever. And to me, that means more than anything, than any other item or achievements you might ever get if you can help one person achieve their goals to me that's monumental of course bro i couldn't agree with you more and for all the listeners out there if you do need help with your taxes i can help you with that i can also refer you to people for mortgages insurance etc but for taxes you can visit our website levytaxhelp.com call us 800 tax levy and we handle all tax matters and we want you to be able to sleep at night and let us take that stress and that weight off your shoulders whether it's just regular filing your taxes and you don't really know how to do it on your own or if you have tax problems give us a call visit the website but alex bro this has been a great conversation two last questions for you the first one if someone wants to contact you how can they you can reach out to my instagram alex roman official or my work one roman films official reach out to me through instagram or my email alexromanfilms.com and uh myself or somebody from my team will get back to you usually it's me but if i can't somebody else will Awesome, bro. And for the last question, this is one that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. And that is, Alex, what do you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s? I wish I knew that I would be at this level so that I could work two times as hard to be at the next level. Wow. That's a new one, bro. And you didn't even stutter or hesitate or pause. So you knew that shit off the bat, which means that you truly care about that and you've recognized that. That's an amazing answer. That's that's a great answer, actually. That's a really good one. That's a highlight one. Thanks. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I mean, if I knew what I knew eight years ago, I would be eight years ahead of where I really want to be today. And uh, my buddy, Dennis, who's uh, also a business partner of mine, He's made something of himself and he kind of mentors me in a way and he helps me see things that I can't see. And that's the beauty of being around other entrepreneurs is they see potential and they see younger entrepreneurs like myself and they know we can make it, but they don't give you the answer. They just kind of show you the way yeah, and then they kind of help you see it. And then when it clicks to you, 
then you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know that was that simple. Well, bro, this has been a tremendous episode. I think a lot of listeners have a lot to learn from it and are going to learn from it and will probably look up to you now and be inspired by you. So thank you for coming on the show and thank you for dropping the knowledge, bro. It's, I really appreciate it and we'll uh, we'll have to link up soon for sure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. Yeah, bro, of course. All right, talk soon, bro. Thank you. All right, bye. What a great interview. I really didn't know much about Alex or his story. We just connected via a mutual guest that actually came on the show but it's a tremendous story. His work ethic is absolutely tremendous. And I'm looking forward to seeing what success Alex has in the future. But again, like I said in the intro, if you're listening in other countries and wanna be coming to America with big dreams, take Alex's story to heart. Try and do what he did when he became of age and he could figure out that he wanted to create his business. He wanted to follow his dreams. But you already know, unless you're a new listener, but if you are listening to this, I hold you to a different standard. You need to be a leader in life, a leader in your community, a leader in school, a leader in your workplace, a leader on the road. Whatever it may be, you always lead by example. That is something that I truly believe in. I live my life every day in that way, in that manner. And don't forget, always be learning. You'll never know it all. And the second you think that you do know it all, that's when you're hindering your success. However you measure your success, whether that's financially, whether that's mentally, physically, monetarily, whatever it may be, always be learning because everyone like i said two episodes ago they can take everything away from you but they will never take away what you know that's it for today everyone i'll be back next week on another episode of the best of the best maverick's guide to success